Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Lawrence Hollins. Lawrence is the associate publisher of Down East Magazine and Maine Homes Magazine. Lawrence, thank you for coming on to Mainly Matters today. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, really glad to have you. Obviously, um, pretty much probably all of our listeners, at least from the New England area and, and around the world, have heard of Down East Magazine. It's an iconic uh, media brand in Maine and, and really around the country and, and world, I think, for people that have a connection to Maine. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with Down East Magazine and what roles you've had with the publication over the years and, and Maine Homes Magazine as well, if you want? Yeah, sure. Um, well, probably much like everyone else who has a connection to uh, Down East in some form, whether they just know it uh, on the periphery or if they're a subscriber, um, I, like those people, came to know and love Maine first. Um, I've uh, what I call myself as a converted summer person. So um, <laughs> I, through my childhood, I came uh, here um, every summer. Um, but I kind of dabbled living here full time off and on, but, uh, made the full commitment in 2005. Uh, and then I started working at down East in 2007, a couple of years later after moving here. Um, the, my first role at down East was, uh, actually, more in the digital realm. Um, at that time, they were trying to actually convert their then sort of brochure site into a more um, interactive website, um, something more in tune with the the you know the the 2000s as opposed to mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. 1990s. <laughs> um, so that um, that role kind of quickly evolved more into a marketing role. Um, which then evolved into a sales role. Um, and then after that, you know, basically it sort of became more of a management role. And um, as I like to say, if you've ever watched the show Survivor, basically I outwitted, outlasted, and outplayed uh, my predecessors. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, at this point now, I'm the associate publisher some 14 years later. Mm -hmm. um, and am in charge of the, I guess the the business side of the of those two brands, both Downey's Magazine and Main Homes. Um, our editors, uh, Brian Kevin, is their editor in chief for Down East, and Sarah Stebbins is our editor for Main Homes. And those two are charged with running the content um, for each of those publications, and I they are autonomous in doing so um, because, you know, Down East is very much a traditional publisher in that there's total separation between the advertising and the editorial, meaning one doesn't control the other. Right, right. And that's good. And um, thank you for that. You know, listening to your history, it's, I'm kind of, kind of like the opposite. I, I now summer in Maine and I'm trying to find a way to come back uh, full time. Uh, I went to, you know, uh -huh. I went to University of Maine and I, I got my MBA at Thomas and I've lived f full time, um, you know, on and off in Bangor, Portland. Uh, but but now I'm I'm finding myself coming only in the summer and trying to find a way to come back permanently as well, uh, which can be challenging. So I, I admire your uh, your ability to do so. And hopefully I'll follow behind you and not not too far along here. Um, in addition to being found in, in retail stores, 
you know, on the magazine racks when you're in Maine or even, you know, places around New England, you see Down East magazine on the racks. Where, you know, what is your reach like in terms of subscriptions? I mean, are you getting people outside of Maine, around the country? Do you have any international reach? Because it really is a unique magazine from my perspective, speaking about Down East. And um, so tell me about that. Is it is it predominantly people in Maine or do you have reach outside the state of Maine? Yeah, so the um, Down East in, uh, is very unique, uh, has a very unique circulation compared to other regional or city magazines in that half of our circulation is out, actually outside of Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was sort of, you know, alluding to, or you were alluding to how um, people with a connection to Maine, you know, typically have some sort of affiliation with Down East, whether they just know about the brand or are actual subscribers. Um, and interestingly, we have subscribers in every single state in the union. Um, there are some obvious ones that are, you know, certainly have more subscribers than others, such as, you know, Massachusetts or, uh, Florida or, you know, New York or, uh, even Texas or California. But, you know, we do have a, you know, a couple outlier subscribers, even in South Dakota. Um, mm-hmm. there might be only one or two there, but, you know, there is. Uh, representation for Maine um, in every state. Um, we do have some international subscribers uh, in Canada and abroad. Um, that last time I checked, that was about two percent of our total circulation. So not a lot, um, but certainly um, you know there are you know, there's connections all around. Sure. Um, one of the uh, more well notable connections was that. Uh, there was an astronaut, this was maybe seven or 10 years ago. Um, one of the astronauts wanted to read their subscription to Down East. And so they read it on a tablet up in the space shuttle. Ah, well, there you go. That's probably, uh, <laughs> that's an international, uh, location, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow, that's great. Matter, matter of fact, I, I just reached out to uh, the current astronaut from Caribou. Um, seeing, yes. Yes. Yeah, we, uh, she was um, uh, part of a, a section in our, one of our recent issues. Yeah, she's getting a lot of attention, and um, I, I did reach out to her. I haven't heard back yet, but we're hoping to have her on the show at some point. So maybe she'll be reading Down East. Uh, she's actually slated to maybe go to the moon. She's on the list to you know, go back, they're planning to send people back to the moon. And she's made the list of potential uh, candidates that uh, that might be selected for that mission. That'd be amazing. So, um, well, wow. I, yeah, I just read that the other day. And that's what actually led me to uh, think about reaching out to her. So I, I've tried via LinkedIn, haven't heard back yet, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do so and get her on the show. It'd be fabulous. She's done amazing stuff um, from her roots in Caribou. So your your website at downeast.com, in my opinion, is amazing. I mean, it's it's got a lot of content. Uh, it's very easy to navigate. But the, the photography, the way that you use imagery is visually stunning. And and I think um, Maine has some you know unique type of imagery that can only be found uh, in, in a state like Maine. So it, it just really comes across visually. Can you tell us a little bit about your digital platforms for Down East Magazine. I know you mentioned a little earlier in our conversation about kind of moving into the 2000s, so to say, but how has that evolved over time? And what 
do you offer your online audiences that they might not get in the paper-based, you know, subscription magazine? Yeah. Uh, well, um, you know, it's interesting that, uh, sort of when I started at down East, you know, one of the big trends at the time for magazines was to have a, um, a digital subscription that one would read on their, you know, tablet or iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone at that time, you know, was really sort of saying, oh, this could be the, uh, you know, the final nail in the coffin for print. Um, and uh, since then, you know, we actually, you know, we did have uh, digital subscriptions for a while, but uh, we canned them because, you know, we only had like a couple hundred people that were actually doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it was a total pain for us to actually implement it. And the demand really wasn't there. Um, so the, the interesting thing is that, you know, I mean, uh, you know, like I read the other day that in the last couple of years, there's been 139 new print magazines launched in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, so the demand for what, it, my point being the demand for what appears in print is quite high just because it's such a different experience than to what one does in the online world. Um, you know, for a print magazine, for example, you know, you might grab a cup of tea and spend your afternoon, you know, reading through the magazine. Uh, the online world is totally different. I mean, people don't generally spend hours on a time, you know, reading through a single website. You know, they're really just there to grab some information, get it rather quickly and move on. Um, so what we put on Dennis.com is, kind of what we think is going to be the more popular things for an online audience, such as like a restaurant review. Um, you know, we might not put sort of our more long form or essay type articles that appear in the magazine online, just because, you know, they're probably won't they probably won't be that popular. Um, so we do take a lot of our content straight out of the magazine and put it online, but we just don't put all of it on there. Um, and sort of the evolution for what runs digitally has been, you know, kind of as things evolve, you know, like Facebook coming around and Instagram and all these things. Um, and a lot of that, you know, is really heavily image based. Um, people want to have their quick fix of the, you know, a view of Maine in the winter or mm -hmm. Maine in the fall and all these things. So, um, you know, we really, strive to uh, feed that appetite um, through the digital, all our digital platforms. Interesting. Yeah. It, 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 as someone who um, has been through many main winters and don't currently experience them that often, I do find myself looking at some of the imagery and photographs that you put on during the winter season or, or the fall, um, which again, when you're not in Maine in the fall or in New England, you can't experience that. And it certainly uh, captivates me. <clears throat> and then, uh, then I kind of come to and think, wait a minute, that winter picture is beautiful, but <laughs> five months of it can get a little long, but it, but it is, it, it is, That's good. Right. That's it, right. it, it is nice to look at for sure. And, it, you know, to your point, uh, the way people's habits evolve, and 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 have evolved from digital mediums is very interesting and continuing to grow. We started this podcast platform only three months ago. It was just a concept I had, and um, you know it's grown tremendously, like far more than than we thought. So uh, you mentioned that you have subscribers in in all fifty states and some international 
we're seeing the same thing on a, on a smaller scale, obviously, but um, we've, we're literally in like 14 countries now where people listen to Mainly Matters podcasts um, all over the United States. And we've had thousands and thousands of, of downloads. So it's kind of happened pretty quickly. But uh, I guess there is an interest in, in Maine and there's a lot of people connected to Maine. And that probably speaks uh, well to, to Down East Magazine being able to to have such such a diverse um, readership and interest because, as you mentioned, once you experience Maine, um, it just kind of stays with you no matter where you go. So now on- online, you do have a shop. It's called the Down East Shop. And, you know, that's obviously something that you, you can't really do in the paper magazine. So what is the Down East Shop? What can people experience there? And, and what's the, the purpose of it? Um, yeah, the, uh, the shop, um, you know, like many ideas, we stole the idea from, uh, one of our colleagues out of, uh, that runs a magazine called our state out of North Carolina. Um, and they had had quite a lot of success with their online shop. So we figured we'd, uh, give it a go. Um, and the, you know, the idea was, you know, pretty simple, like let's give our readers, you know, curated main made items um so we started out quite small um and at the time we actually did use part of our uh physical headquarters in rockport uh for a retail store um you know where people could actually come in and shop um but we ran it online as well with the down east uh the shop.downeast.com and the e-commerce uh, actually kind of grew quicker than the actual physical space. Um, and then when COVID hit, of course, um, things really exploded for the shop. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, we basically kind of do a commission type structure where mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the vendors that we use, basically they, they we don't buy it wholesale from them. Right. Uh, they basically give us the item and they get 60% of the sales and we retain 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some other situations where we do buy things wholesale. Uh, for example, we bought a bunch of puzzles wholesale, which were extraordinarily popular during COVID, as you can imagine. Right. Um, but the uh, sales really exploded uh, for our online store starting last spring you know, growing by upwards of like 200% kind of crazy numbers. And we attribute that to a couple of things. One is, you know, everyone was, was shopping from home. So that was one reason. The other reason is that, you know, there's this, this strong demand for anything related to Maine for somebody that has any sort of, you know, a connection to Maine just because the state has such a strong brand, um, you know, much stronger than say, and no offense to Nebraska, Nebraska's great, but for a lot of people, Maine has a much stronger pull than uh, some of these other states. No, so we saw mm-hmm. you know a ton of growth there, um, and the appetite for people wanting more Maine-made type things, things that are authentic and you know have a real uh, craft association, you know, is just growing by leaps and bounds. Interesting. I uh, totally get your point, too. Um, I've, I've got a friend of mine, a good friend of mine from Maine, uh, Jack Mosier. He's 
retired colonel. He was the chief of staff for the Maine National Guard. But one of his hobbies now is he makes, uh, he distills lavender. He grows lavender on his um, small farm that he has in China, Maine. And he distills it into um, lavender oil and a lavender mist. And uh, he sells out every time he, he makes his, his annual supply. Maybe I'll put him in touch with you and see if uh, that might be something you want to carry. But I have a bottle of the, of the mist here that I've had for a couple of years. And to your point, I'll, every now and then I'll walk by it and I'll spray it on my face and it smells like lavender and it feels nice and it reminds me of Maine. And that's my connection of, right. of connecting to Maine when I feel like I need a little bit of Maine and I'm not anywhere near Maine. So I can see why people would, would take advantage of that. And I think um, it's interesting. You mentioned during COVID, your, your sales have increased almost a couple hundred percent. You'll probably see that uh, some of those numbers maintain because people have experienced those products or ordered them maybe for the first time and they like them. And so hopefully that that line of business growth will continue for you. Uh, you, you mentioned- well, Yeah, no, we- um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you, we, we do expect uh, the growth to continue uh, mostly because- like we've been discovered now, like the, right. our customer base has grown to such an extent that like, it's hard to be ignored now. Like I think for a lot of businesses, just like your podcast, like it was probably slow growth. And then like, as soon as sort of more discovery happens, it just sort of, you know, snowballed. Yeah. We, exponentially. that's what happened with us. We, yeah, exactly. We got covered by WABI in Bangor. They did a, they put us on the evening news and it just, you know, overnight, obviously, uh, you know, quadrupled in an audience and, and we've just seen that continued growth. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Once you get discovered in that regard, uh, the people that discover it, if they like the product, uh, they're going to continue to utilize it. So that's great. Uh, you talked a little earlier, we'd mentioned the uh, other publication, Maine Homes, which you mentioned is completely independent from an editorial perspective. Tell us just a little bit about Maine Homes magazine. Uh, you know, when did that magazine debut debut and what do readers find when they when they get that magazine? Yeah, Maine Homes uh is a has been a very uh interesting uh evolution because most print publications basically start as a print publication and then they have sort of ancillary websites. This actually took the opposite trend. Uh, we owned mainhomes.com for a very long time. And uh, I think it was about 2016 or so, we decided, well, you know, let's do something with it. Uh, and so we hired our uh, current editor for it, Sarah Stebbins, and basically gave her, you know, carte blanche to do what she wanted with it, with one caveat, caveat being that we wanted her to create content about homes that are approachable. Um, you know, we didn't want to get another story about some mansion on the coast. Right. Um, you know, we wanted like everyday kind of places, you know, some might be aspirational. Some might be more about, you know, uh, trends and, you know, kitchen color paint, you know, um, something that anybody could really read about and actually implement themselves. Um, and so she took it to heart and she went after it. And, you know, we literally went from like zero page views to about 60,000 page views a month in really no time at all. And because of that popularity, we were like, 
you know, we obviously have content here that people want. So why not offer in print? And so we launched. And uh, within that first year of launching, we actually, uh, the magazine took home the shelter title of the year at the City Regional Magazine Association Conference. Um, so, you know, it's further proof that, you know, hey, we have something that, you know, people really want here. So, um, I think, what was it? I think in 2018, we launched the print publication. Um, and much like, you know, Downey's Magazine, the mainhomes.com kind of mirrors a lot of what people find in the, in the print version. Um, you know, all these sort of do-it-yourself type projects that people can do. Uh, gardens, uh, new building trends, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, it also touches on real estate because mainhomes.com actually has a feed from our local uh, MLS so that people can actually you know search for properties for sale, which has certainly been uh, a hot topic recently here in Maine. Absolutely, that's so that's 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 actually fascinating, Lawrence, because what what you just described is, you know, you had mentioned earlier in our discussion today that uh, when digital first came out, a lot of people thought that would be the end of print. And um, it didn't really turn out that way. And and you just described a situation where you started with a digital version of content and and turned that into a print publication that's successful. So that's that's very interesting to see how things actually worked out um, compared to what some people, how, how they thought the technology was going to change the landscape. It obviously did change the landscape, but in this particular case, it actually created a print magazine. So that's, uh, that's interesting. And right. Yeah. It, it totally opened up that opportunity, which has uh, been wonderful to see. Yeah. And, 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 and to your other point, um, I, I do follow Maine real estate and I know that they've had a record year. Um, prices are up. 15, 20 percent. Um, and, and a lot of it's due to COVID from what I've read, people not wanting to be in uh, urban areas or want to want to kind of get away and do the remote working thing. I, I think that's had some effect. Um, but definitely, you know, Maine homes in general and many communities across Maine have, have been selling um, quickly and, and for higher prices than, than we've seen in years past. So that's, it's kind of interesting to, to note and we'll see how that uh, carries on post COVID as well. Um, how many retail outlets, you know, carry the Down East magazine and Maine homes magazine currently like physical retail locations that you can walk into and, and buy a magazine off a rack? Yeah, it's a uh, great question. The, you know, pre COVID, you know, we were uh, put a lot of resources into what we call single copy distribution, whether it was actually selling them on a newsstand or selling them, you know, at a retail outlet or even having them available at waiting rooms like uh, mm-hmm. beauty salons or doctor's offices. Uh, and COVID really kind of took that off the table. Um, and so now, you know, we're probably relegated to about 1200 retail outlets, uh, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, the local, supermarket or uh the the convenience stores and airports uh places like that and uh that number is probably about half of what it used to be Mm -hmm. um newsstands have been a very sort of 
troublesome part in publishing uh, due to COVID, but we're now looking to bring it back uh, by targeting more of the smaller mom and pop type shops uh, and getting them to, you know, basically sell, you know, maybe we would offer them like 10 copies that they would sell uh, each month. Um, and then they could kind of grow those numbers as, as people came into those shops and, and bought more stuff. Um, so it's been a kind of an interesting evolution in, in single copy distribution, but uh, you know, it's a matter of basically, you know, making sure that you're in the right places at the right time uh, and making them available on, you know, checkout lines and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I think magazines, um, you know, I predominantly think the grocery store, that's where I think a lot of consumers walk by uh, magazine racks that are still in full effect. Um, but, but right. Uh, but yeah. I mean, to some extent, actually our uh, biggest distributor for single copy sales has been our online store. Like, wow. Uh, our like main homes has been consistently like our third or fourth top seller in our retail store. <laughs> Excellent. Interesting. Interesting the way things things actually work out. Um, you know, speaking of your brand uh, down east, uh, I, I did notice that you've partnered with the main knife company. Um, I'm involved with them to an extent. They're up in Bangor. Jim Nickerson runs that. And um, so you've you've extended the brand. There's a knife called the Down East. I think it's a pair of knives, actually. Uh, with different handles, one has a bone handle and, and one has a wood handle. What what is that? I've seen it in your magazine. I've seen it at mainknifecompany.com. Um, I've seen it online at, at downeast.com. So so what is that about? Yeah, that's, that's been a very interesting project, and uh, you know I really owe it to JP Nickerson, who owns Main Knife Company, because uh, he's the one who called me up with the idea. Um, and how it kind of came about is pretty funny because, uh, one of our editors, Ginny Wright, uh, who's now retired, wrote about the main knife company in our August issue of 2020. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was sort of, uh, it was like a gear guide for camping. And she included, uh, one of his knives in there as sort of a, a must have if you're going to, you know, head out into the wilderness. And as a result of that, article uh jp wound up selling out of the of the knife that was featured in the article um i think he even told me this wild story where a u.s ambassador purchased like five of them for gifts to uh some of her colleagues i heard about um, that so jp yeah jp was so impressed with you know how we were able to help him sell so many knives that he was like wanted to figure out a way to replicate it um so he came to me with this idea to brand some knives as the Down East knife. And um, he and uh, some of the designers came up with these two great designs. One has a beautiful uh, rose handle. The other one has a um, uh, an antler handle. Um, and they're just these gorgeous knives, total collector items. Uh, they come in a you know uh, cherry box. Uh, handmade here in Maine. Um, and it's just been a very fun project. We actually had our readers vote on, uh, which knife was their, was their, uh, top choice. And, um, I was sure that the rose handle one was going to win just because it's so sort of 
well, kind of perfect in a way. Um, whereas the uh, antler handle one is a little more um, outdoorsman-like. And um, But the antler handle was the one that was the reader's choice. So uh, now JDP is selling actually both of those uh, on his site. One is the reader's choice and one is kind of the, the runner's up. But uh, it's been a really fun project. And one of the neat things about uh, this is that JP wanted part of the proceeds to actually benefit one of uh, Maine's nonprofits. And he chose Mainco's Heritage Trust, which is a, a local nonprofit that works to preserve a lot of uh, like island, islands in the bay that, you know, are, you know, so they don't someone doesn't put a bunch of condominiums on them kind of thing. Sure. Um, so it's been a, it's been a really neat partnership and, you know, JP's great to work with. Um, so it's been, it's been really fun. We've, uh, you know, on our end, when someone takes our brand and, you know, calls it, say the down East knife, you know, it's kind of like a brand licensing, um, project for us. Um, and we've only really done a handful of them. There's a, uh, down East, marketplace in the portland Jetport that was kind of similar um but it's been uh super fun to do that with uh jp and the main knife company uh so it's a little bit more smaller and you know actually kind of more cool than uh just some store in, a, in the jet port sure that's interesting and i uh, I did talk to JP um, about some of this in the past. That ambassador story was was amazing. So, um, won't give any names, but uh, yeah. So Down East Magazine has a global reach, and this particular uh, person was uh, saw that the knife you mentioned uh, in the gear section, and then stopped in to see JP in Bangor on on a summer trip last year and purchased some knives that, as I understand it, went to some sheiks in the Middle East that are very, you know, obviously they have all the money in the world and they can have anything they want. So it's, it's hard to gift buy for them um, and to find something unique that might be an interesting gift. And this particular ambassador thought that some of these knives from Maine might, uh, might, might be interesting. And, and she brought some over there. So that, that was interesting. And, and I also thought that the, um, the Rosewood handle would win the winner's choice uh, award but the stag one that you mentioned the antler um i think it edged it out so yeah people can check that out okay. at com, and i guess they'll see the the down east knives right on the home page and if they choose to order them uh, part of those proceeds will go to that nonprofit you mentioned so that's great thank you um you, you had talked a little bit well, a lot of bit about covid and how it's affected your business um in a positive way you know as we all know covid has affected businesses all over Maine and all over the United States and all over the world, both large and small. Um, some businesses have, you know, done well with it. Others have been crushed. Yeah. In addition to you know, your online store um, and your digital stuff getting a, a push, how did COVID affect the way that Down East Magazine and Maine Home Magazine, you know, operate your businesses in, in a traditional sense? Is it Overall, has it been a positive? Has it been a negative? Um, how has it affected you? Um, yeah, it's a great question. The um, you know, I think just like everyone, when you know COVID really hit and everything was getting shut down, there was you know we were just as scared as everybody. Um, we did have one leg up, uh, which was about five years ago or so. 
uh, our company went through a, uh, a big change where we, we recreated our company manual because what we had as a company manual was frankly outdated in that, you know, it was very much a traditional company. You know, you show up from eight to five and you get an hour for lunch and you get, you know, 10 days of vacation per year and, you know, all that sort of standard stuff. Um, and we really looked at it and, and we're like, you know, if we want to attract top talent to work at our company, you know, we need to be a little more uh, modern in our company philosophy. And so our prior uh, editor-in-chief, Kathleen Clory, you know, really worked really hard with Bob, our, our uh, owner. And uh, they, you know, looked at a bunch of other business models and kind of came up with a whole plan where, you know, instead of employees being, you know, uh, committed to being in the in their office chair for X amount of hours per day and per week and whatnot, you know, it's really more about looking at employees and, and evaluating, evaluating them based on performance. So the idea was that, you know, everyone is, you know, responsible for their stuff. And as long as you're doing your stuff, like it doesn't matter if you, you know, one week you work 60 hours. So the next week you work 20 hours, you know, whatever you do, what you got to do to do your job and do your job really well. Um, so that was, you know, kind of the nothing bolts of our, of our company culture. And so when COVID hit, you know, we were basically, you know, everyone started working from home and it really, no one really, there weren't really any hiccups at all. Um, because we were already prepared to be responsible for what we needed to do on an individual basis. Um, so that, you know, on the management end, you know, we really didn't have to, all of a sudden tell people how to do their job and do it remotely. You know, they went out and they did it. Um, you know, they took the onus on themselves to, you know, get it done in any way possible. Um, it was kind of funny when the state lockdown happened because we were basically like days away. Actually, it was more like a day away from printing our May issue because our, our May issue comes out in early April. So, mm -hmm. you know, this was sort of like mid-March, right, when the shutdown was happening. Right. And our May issue is our annual sort of like summer planner, you know, sure. get out yeah. there and enjoy summer. And, you know, we had all these events listed in the magazine and go here, do this. And we had to hit print because, you know, we have subscribers waiting to get their copies. And so the, it turned out that pretty much, half of the stuff in that issue people couldn't even do last summer because everything was so shut down. Um, but you know, after that, you know, moving on to our June and summer issues, you know, just about everyone was doing it from their kitchen table or their home office. Um, and really didn't, um, impact our, our means of publishing whatsoever other than, you know, instead of meeting in the conference room to talk about stuff, we were you know, meeting over zoom. Um, so we adapted really fast and really well. Um, you know, I tip my hat to the staff for, you know, being so flexible and, and capable really. Um, so really, you know, it did not really impact our ability to do what we do. Um, it maybe made logistics a little bit harder, but, um, you know, everyone pulled it off. 
That's that's great to hear. I, I think that uh, that April issue um, from from last year might be a collector's edition because it's kind of a historic <laughs> thing. Just because right. you that's mentioned right. all the things that are listed that never happened, and um, you're right. It's kind of just a little window into what we were all kind of planning and hoping, and uh, just to lead a normal exciting fun summer in maine and and uh and around the country and world and it, it all just got erased in a matter of weeks and uh so that's kind of interesting and, and and it's good good to hear how you pivoted when you had to and and i think that's a common theme with the businesses that have been able to um be successful uh you you know you've got an ownership structure it sounds like that um has some good vision and and gives people the autonomy to do what they need to do as long as the job's getting done. So you're a little ahead of the curve, I think, um, in that regard. Uh, we we did a show a couple months ago with uh, Rusty Valley. He's the CEO of the main thread company out of Lewiston, and there was some similarities to what he described to what what you just described. You know, he he um, when the sh- when the state shut down, he he had a meeting and told everyone that. You know, they couldn't come into work and the business was over. And he said he went home and he thought about it and he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not shutting down my company. And uh, he called everyone the next morning and just came up with a new plan and people worked from home. And um, similarly to with your your online store, he, he said they developed a whole new line of business um, uh, with, with crafters around the world and around the country that needed thread to do their crafts that they were doing at home because they were changing the way they did things to, to keep occupied. So uh, a little bit of common common theme there, but uh, definitely the, the fact that you were able to pivot and you have a, uh, people that, that are used to working uh, from home and, and just doing what it takes to get the job done, I think has kind of shined through here in this interview as to why uh, you folks are as successful as you are and continue to innovate and grow. So I appreciate that. Um, as, as Before we wrap up, and this has been great, I really appreciate taking the time today. It's been informative and interesting. I think our listeners will, will really appreciate this episode. But before we go, Lawrence, uh, just a final question. As Down East Magazine continues to evolve, what do you envision being the greatest opportunity that's out there in the coming months and, and years? And, and what do you see as perhaps the greatest challenge that you'll face as a publisher? Yeah, it's uh, a great question. You know, publishing is... Uh has been a challenging business for, you know, quite a while, uh, for, you know, all the obvious reasons that everyone, you know, presumably knows anyway. Um, but the, the, our greatest opportunity, I think, uh, is really our, the strength of our brand, uh, you know, being the magazine in Maine, uh, gives us a lot of strength. And that's why things like our online store is, you know, growing so much. And I think it's going to be sustainable in that growth for years to come. So that's a really uh, huge area for us to grow in. And we're looking at, you know, what is it going to look like to expand that piece of our business, you know, tenfold or twentyfold? Um, and what are we going to need to make that happen? Uh, another area that is, uh, I think, prone for a lot of growth is what is called Down East Adventures, which a lot of people probably don't know about, but we started it in 2013 to offer our readers basically kind of unique trips that they can do in Maine that aren't necessarily found by doing a Google search. Um, And uh, interestingly, last year, you know, we had this huge plan 
rollout of all these different adventures that people could take last summer. And we obviously had to cancel about 75% of them, mm-hmm. but uh, we were able to carry out quite a few, which were our uh, photography workshops. Um, so as you sort of alluded to earlier, you know, Downey's is known for a lot of its great uh, photography. And that's really, you know, due to a lot of the talent that we have on staff. And so we've been offering our readers these photography workshops one day or three days. And people have been really loving it. You know, they, uh, you know, it gives uh, readers looking for a hobby, you know, to gain some actual technical skills and uh, gives readers, a, you know, a reason to go out to Monhegan, say, and, you know, do a photography workshop out there. Um, so that's really been an area of uh, a lot of exciting growth for us to the extent, actually, that um, my uh, colleague Sally and I rolled out our plan for our 2021 adventures towards the end of last summer. And before we even got to the end of January, we were almost sold out of all of our trips for this year. Um, and we've been adding trips as, as fast as we can, and they just keep selling out. So I think that there's uh, a lot of appetite for people to want to get out there and experience something that, you know, they can't necessarily find on their own. And, um, you know, I think just as the magazines offer people insight into something that they could normally find on their own travels um, or research, you know, these adventures offer people a, you know, a chance at a trip that they had never even considered before. So I think both of those areas are, you know, definitely areas where we can grow. Um, I think the, you know, our, our subscription base for the magazines has always been really strong. Um, so that's going to continue to enhance both, you know, the shop and the adventures, you know, having that, that reach, um, that really helps. Um, but, you know, to your other question about what are the greatest challenges we face and, you know, the, you know, down East has been around since 1954, uh, it's a family owned business. Um, and I think, you know, ever since day one, you know, the greatest challenge for a media brand is to be relevant. Um, you know, you continually kind of have to have your finger on the pulse of, of what is going on out there. You know, what, do, what are people interested in? Um, what do people want? Um, and as long as you are relevant to what people are looking for, you know, you're going to see success. As soon as you lose touch with that, you know, which can happen at the drop of a hat, you know, um, you know, you are at risk. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of always been our goal is to be relevant to people who have some sort of connection to Maine and give them more of that. Um, so that's, that's always been our challenge. And um, honestly, it's kind of the, funnest part of our business because you know we get to go out there and discover more nuances of this great state um and share it with people um sometimes that does backfire though when we uh publish an article on the 20 greatest places to go swim this summer a lot of people who love those places don't want all of our readers going there (laughs) (laughs) yeah right that's uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, you get a lot of that and with some Mainers. They 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 want the tourism, but they they get tired of it too sometimes. But um, <laughs> right. yeah, no, this has been fascinating. Really, I, I think um, the, the takeaway here is that 
it's just very interesting to me, and I think it will be to all the people that listen to this, that, that down east um, and main homes, you know, they're, they're magazines, but what you folks do is so much um, more than just the concept of a printed magazine on a shelf. Obviously, that's, uh, you know, the heart of what you do, but you've been very nimble and um, responsive into giving people other things that, that they're interested in that can help you sustain your brand, um, grow your business, and, and keep people in touch with Maine. So I think that's been really interesting, and I, I wish you continued success and luck. And we want to thank you for, for coming on the show today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, and um, I hope your listeners find it entertaining. Hopefully I wasn't too boring. No, it's a very good show, and they can go to downeast.com to get more information on pretty much everything we've talked about. Check out the magazine. I'm sure you can subscribe there if you want. And this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you.